like at the agent level, I really want them to focus on two things, quality and productivity. Quality, we have like a, a grading rubric that we, we actually use Google Sheets to track that. And then we also look at just, just productivity, you know, how many emails are they sending per hour? And then we have some semi-loose goals that we hold them to, but trying to keep that balance so that they can see what their productivity was, but they also can't game it. Like if we have a good practice around quality assurance, we can make sure that they aren't, they aren't just sending crappy responses to try and up those numbers. They're also keeping their quality really good. You're listening to Caffeinated with host Nathan Resnick, the show where we help companies level up their customer service to turn this expense into a profit center so you can increase revenue and drive customer happiness. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Caffeinated brought to you by Caffeinated CX. I'm your host, Nathan Resnick, and today we're joined by Jeremy from Number Barn. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you, Nathan. So you are and have been the director of customer experience and support for almost four years, it looks like, based on LinkedIn. I want to learn more about how you got into that position. What's your background? Let's let's start there. That sounds good. Um, yeah, I actually, the, the folks that uh, started Number Barn, I worked with for a lot of years and uh, worked with them in the voiceover IP space in the past. And they saw this cool opportunity to build the world's largest uh, telephone number marketplace. And, um, you know, the founders were doing support for several years and then they kind of got to a point where they hired some customer service folks and, and they needed somebody to help, uh, just help build out their operation more. So that's when they approached me about, about rejoining the team. And it was, um, you know, on one hand, it's great to be back working with, people that I know and respect. And on the other hand, it's been really fun to um, get back into operations. I was in marketing for a little bit and get back into operations and really um, help uh, just install some best practices, help uh, help our managers um, level up their experience and, and all that. So it's been a good experience over the last almost four years. That's awesome. That's really cool. So for those that don't know what Number Barn is, can we get a little elevator pitch to, to understand and then we'll kind of dive into what support looks like at Number Barn? Yeah. So um, we are, I'll, I'll say it, we're the world's largest uh, telephone number marketplace. So I think we have at least 50 million numbers on our website. I haven't checked the, the count in a while. And uh, we hook into a variety of different carriers to get those numbers. We also have uh, a marketplace that other people can come and uh, and sell their telephone numbers. Um, so if you are, there are so many awesome use cases that we run into with Number Barn. It's kind of fun, um, but I'll just give you one. If you are, you know, at the T-Mobile or Verizon store and they give you like three or four telephone numbers to choose from, you don't have to take what they gave you. You can go to Number Barn, find a great number. Maybe it spells your name or maybe it has a bunch of repeat digits and and uh, port that number over to whoever your carrier is. And we do that all day, every day. Got it, got it. I know one thing that's come up in support uh, on our end at Caffeinated is porting numbers. So I actually kind of want to start there because porting a number is pretty hard sometimes depending on what provider you're working with. Like if you're working with you know, Zendesk Talk or you know, whoever it may be, um, do you have any kind of horror stories or quick, kind of tidbits to share around porting numbers? 
Oh man. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, we put so much on our website and I'll say like, if you go to the number barn help center, mm-hmm. um, we have tips reporting to a bunch of different carriers. Um, one thing we run into a lot is uh, our numbers are, you know, classified as VoIP or landline mm-hmm. um, and sometimes porting to a, a porting it to a wireless carrier can make it take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you got to have your number in good standing at all times. Um, you got to get it unlocked with your carrier, get a get an account number and pin and make sure you have a current copy of a bill. If you have those things, it should go pretty well. Um, I think our big challenge with porting on our side has been to make sure we hang on to customer tickets until we know that it's been solved. That's where we, we get some aggravation when uh, we solve a ticket. We send a survey out that says, hey, how was your porting experience? Right. And they say, my number hasn't ported yet. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. gotta we, we try and really own the process all the way through. It's Sometimes it's really fast and sometimes it's, really slow right, um, right sometimes the customer is really cooperative sometimes they aren't <laughs> yeah how it goes sometimes yeah let's talk about your support setup in terms of your team is it all full-time in-house is it hybrid is it all overseas what does that typically look like yeah right now right now uh, we have a mix of part and full-time um about half and half we're not a huge support team i think we actually, uh, we have a couple other brands under our, our umbrella as well. And so in all, I think we have about 15 to 20 support team members off the top of my head, all local. Um, we try and have a, we call it community corral, which kind of fits with our number barn theme. Uh, so we try and get anybody that's local to Southern California into our office once a week from team meetings, have lunch together, maybe do some CrossFit. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so, so yeah, we do that. Um, I think uh, people come in maybe one other day a week, but but a lot of folks are working remotely the other days of the week. So it's it's a good blend of still kind of having some presence in the office, but also giving people flexibility to live their lives and mm-hmm. deal with their kids and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That's awesome. And then when it comes to tools that your support team utilizes, are you on Zendesk, Zoho? What what does that look like? And uh, have you switched, you know, to or from one? What what's kind of the the thesis there? Yeah, I mean, historically at this company, um, we've liked to build some of our own tools. But oh, wow. uh, since uh, right before I started, we signed on with Zendesk, and we're really using it for email support, and have slowly brought in some of our other things. So we're, we're using Zendesk talk a little bit. We're using chat. Um, we're using the social media plugins. We're, we're playing with a lot of their self-help self-service tools as well, like AnswerBot. And so, yeah, we're, we're getting more and more ingrained with Zendesk for sure. Got it. And, and what's been the feedback from the team? I mean, moving from a, sounds like custom solution to Zendesk. I'm curious what, what's that been like? And then a follow-up question would be, you know, do you have your customer data or customer information piped into your Zendesk or your, is your team kind of switching between tabs to, to see that information? Well, I'll, I'll say, I don't know. I think for anybody that works at a software company, it's a little painful for uh, engineers and software developers to give up control. <laughs> they, you know, if they had all the time in the world, they'd build some really cool stuff. But I think we've, our company is more moved toward 
our engineering team focusing on our core product and letting support uh, get the tools they need to do their job. I, I think the thing that's really been great, it's, you know, it's not without issue, but um, uh, my team, our managers have control over Zendesk. You know, we can, we can onboard, we can offboard people on our own. Um, we have access to make tickets, you know, use triggers and automations to make tickets go where we want. Uh, we can, we can uh, customize our CSAT survey, all that good stuff. Um, so, so I think that's, that's a big plus. I, you know, you bring up, um, customer data. We still have our own, you know, database where most of that is. And I think a big project on my plate is, is to, you know, in the conversation around customer relationship management, CRM is, um, is building out more integrations between Zendesk and our, our own CRM. So we can, you know, we can take smarter action with some of our tickets that come in, you know, once you know who the customer is, whether they're like a VIP or a, a small, small customer, um, you know, we might want to handle those tickets differently. We might want different analytics. I'm not quite there. And that's, you know, that's the piece that does require some engineering help. And so I got to get that prioritized with our, yeah. our dev yeah. team. How, do you use the reporting function pretty often on Zendesk? What does that look like? And kind of what are the kind of key metrics that you're looking at when it comes to support on your CM? Yeah, we, I mean, we use it all the time. We have, we have daily dashboards that go out to our managers and all the way down to our, our uh, support team rep, team members. Um, so I use it a lot. I, I do supplement a little bit with Google Sheets <laughs> for lack of a better tool. Um, I've, I've really tried, we, we're heavy on email support. So I've tried to really get specific on the metrics that like different people at different levels need to see, like at the agent level, I really want them to focus on two things, quality and productivity. Quality, we have like a, a grading rubric that we, we actually use Google Sheets to track that. And then, um, and then we also look at just, uh, just productivity, you know, how many emails are they sending per hour? Um, and trying to, you know, that's a metric that, that translates well for part-timers and full-timers because we know how many hours they worked. And then we have some some semi loose goals that we hold them to, but trying to keep that balance so that they can see what their productivity was, but they also can't game it. Like if we have a good practice around quality assurance, we can make sure that they aren't, you know, they aren't uh, they aren't just sending crappy responses to try and up those numbers. They're also right. keeping their quality really good. Makes sense. Makes um, sense. And I, I'd say the other metric we look at a lot that's not really as tied to our agents is customer satisfaction. You know, um, Zendesk does have a good mechanism for for having a closed loop process. Customer says they're dissatisfied. We reopen the ticket. Um, rarely is it about our agent. Usually it's about some process or product issue. And so we try and address that. And I, it blows customers away when, when they get a response because most People, right. when they fill out a survey, don't expect to hear back from a company. Right, exactly. That's awesome that you do that. It's going above and beyond, I would say. I'm curious, when it comes to Zendesk AI, have you tried that? What's kind of your thesis or thoughts around AI? Where does your company and team stand when it comes to using AI within your support team? I'd say that's that's still a little bit TBD. You know, initially we used, um, used AnswerBot. And we still use it, uh, but we're to a point where we're like, we're checking AnswerBot's work because 
uh, oftentimes, you know, AnswerBot suggests articles to customers and it feels a little bit like a keyword search. You know, it's helped us a lot to like build out our knowledge base. And I think we have a really good one, but um, it's, you know, it's not always great at finding the exact article that we'd want it to find. Um, I do think, uh, I'm not sure, I'll be honest, uh, this might get me in trouble. I'm not sure how much AI is actually involved there. I don't know if it's, I suspect it's mostly keyword search and natural language understanding to kind of understand what the customer asked. But so I think there's some opportunity there. Um, we have built out uh, some, uh, shoot, what are they called? So I'll call them flows for lack of a better term. Flows, basically. Uh, yeah, kind of going uh, with their chat product. Oh, conversation builder. We built out, built out some conversational flows. And I think those have been pretty good. Um, we need to uh, we need to be in a place where we can turn on chat more regularly to really test that and see like get a balance for how often customers are solving things in the bot versus actually getting the chat. And from a staffing standpoint, we have to be at a place where we can handle extra volume from chat, and we're not quite there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at. I would love the bot to solve more things than it does, but right. uh, continuing to work and. Right. I'm not settled on Zendesk being the, the be all and end all there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we've seen at caffeinated CX with, with our AI is that, you know, it's very good at deflection if it's not like a very account specific or product specific type of question, right? Like if someone's asking you specifically about their order or something that the AI doesn't have context on, it's not going to be accurate. You know, AI is really all about the context. So I think with Zendesk, from my understanding, you can only train off of uh, their, their help center. Whereas, you know, Correct, for us, yeah. you're training off of, you know, any URL, any documentation, your ticket history. Um, you can even set like response libraries and response templates too, to, you know, try to understand deeper, different edge cases, which is great. So I think, you know, AI is still early in general, but there's definitely a lot of efficiencies that can be had in terms of deflection or also within a ticketing system by, you know, understanding uh, what, macros to use if you're seeing using macros and kind of suggesting macros that way or summarizing along ticket threads or um one of my favorites it's it's a little nuanced with zendesk but whenever someone replies like thank you or thank you so much it reopens that ticket and so you know ai can actually detect a thank you type of response and automatically solve those tickets which is pretty cool instead of having those to be reopened and resolved basically. But yeah, I think it's still early, like you're saying, and there's a lot of different use cases out there when it comes to AI. And it's going to be interesting to see what, what Zendesk, you know, really does and where they evolve their, their AI product. Um, as we wrap up here and, and people think about 2024, you know, it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. You're uh, got a big inflow of emails, you know, do you think support, it, you know, should really focus more on making a product more deflectionary in nature. You know, I feel like a lot of people question and consider, you know, how do, how does support help guide a product roadmap? Because in some cases, and some people argue, you know, if your product is, is perfect, you shouldn't necessarily have a lot of tickets, right? But is that a flaw of the product? Or, you know, what is your viewpoint on that when it comes to how to support guide, you know, product? Oh man, I yeah, I wish we could either make all the tickets go away or deflect them. Uh, I've been, you know, I've worked in uh, SaaS long enough to know that's. I don't, I don't know if that'll ever happen, but you know, my focus is always trying to be a good partner with our dev team. 
and uh you know they try and be a good partner with us um and we try and collaborate on the top things that are driving ticket volume and try and try and either fix those or or boost self-service um so yeah in 2024 i'll definitely be watching more ai demos and trying to <laughs> stay on top of of what's out there and uh if it can help us you know uh, and if it integrates with zendos that's even better there you go awesome well, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Caffeinated, brought to you by Caffeinated CX. If people want to get in touch, follow up with more questions, or learn more about Number Barn, where should they reach you? Yeah, just go to numberbarn.com. That's a great place to start. If you email in to the help center, if you want to find me, you can always email in and say, attention, Jeremy. I'm also active on X, formerly Twitter and LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Jeremy, there we have it. Thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening in to this episode of Caffeinated.